Hola mis amigos, we are waiting on Sydney, shooting him a message right now to see if he's coming. Welcome on stage, Sydney. Yo, 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 what up? My bad, bro. My phone had died and I had to just, it just kicked in. So we back, baby. Appreciate you making it. I've been a part of the Chill Pill family for a long time. The Min Songs family has had a lot of good things to say about you and your project. So it, it's, uh, thank you for making time for yeah, us. Yeah, man, of course, bro. Of course, I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, the videos have been super hyped that the team's been sending me. It seems like it's still probably hush-hush, so I don't know if we've shared a lot of it publicly, but the events that you guys were throwing in L.A., bringing in a bunch of musicians, doing like live recording and mashups, minting out NFTs, releasing the project of Chill Pill, 
there's a lot that I want to be able to ask you about. And I'm, it, I've been stumping my brain trying to figure out where to get started. So maybe just for people that aren't aware of who you are, maybe a little bit of a background on kind of coming into Web3. What are some of the, the, the things you're happy to have accomplished as a producer? Who are some of the people that listeners might have might have already heard of? Um, oh, I mean, like I've, I've worked with like a bunch of a bunch of artists. I, I, I started producing when I was like 18. So well, not started. I started like officially like producing, you know, as a job when I was 18. But like, you know, had been producing, you know, my friends and in, in high school and middle school and shit like that. Um, and then, yeah, just lucked up. Uh, like when I, I started as an intern back in uh, when I was, you know, 18, 19, and then ended up producing like for a bunch of artists like Beyonce, Major Lazer, Lil Wayne. Uh, I, I just, I was in, I was in Miami, Florida at the time. And like, luckily it was like around the same time that Lil Wayne was signing Drake and Nikki and everybody. So I got like to experience, you know, being in the studio with them and, and kind of how, how the whole system works uh, at, at big recording studios and shit. And that's kind of how I got, it got into it. And coming into now, you've dropped an NFT collection. It's my NFT that I wear. Very heavily focused on music, which is one of the reasons I switched from the gummy bear I had before over to the chill pill. What, hey. what made you want to drop an, an NFT collection? And what, what was kind of the origin story of chill pill? Well, yeah, so it's a, <laughs> I, I'll get it. I'll, I'll kind of go into the origin story, which leads into the the NFT collection. But it, we we started the idea of Chill Pill. I mean, probably like 2016 was like the genesis idea, and it was basically like I had been working, you know, as a producer for five to seven years at that time, and like I had a lot of cuts with a lot of artists, but I w- all of like all of the main cuts that I was getting, like I was collaborating with like bigger producers on like, and, and kind of like, they were like kind of mentoring me or whatever. And, and what would happen is like, they would get all the credit and they barely did any, any of the beats. And like, you know, my name would be tiny at the bottom. And I, I was like, I need, I need to figure out how to build my own brand whilst like not stealing the shine. Like, you know, if you read the 48 laws of power, one of like the, the laws is like never outshine the master. So like I always had that in the back of my head. Like I don't want to like, you know, steal the, the, my mentor's shine, like, cause then I'm not going to be able to be in these rooms, like with, with everybody or, or get these cuts. But at the same time, I need to figure out how to build my own brand. Um, and I, and I always grew up like listening to Mad Lib, listening to Quasimodo and the gorillas. Um, so the idea of, of like a virtual slash cartoon uh, character uh, was all, like has always been something that interested me, like uh, like how to how to create a, a artist uh, like anonymously, um, and it kind of just clicked back then, like with like yo, like if I if I like made a character who's a cartoon, like who produced a Beyonce song, that'd be a bigger story than you know a human producing a, a Beyonce song. So it was like kind of my way of just you know going through a different door for brand wise, um, and yeah, we just like kind of started developing the artist and the project. I think it took like a couple months to come up with the character. It took another couple months to come up with the art design and direction. And, and then finally, like we, we had the, you know, we had the character, we had the, the art and, and started dropping shit on Instagram. And this was like, it was funny, like right around the same time that we started dropping stuff, Lil Michaela started dropping stuff. So we were kind of like right at the same time, like two virtual beings. Uh, this was back in 2017 or 2018, whatever it was, uh, just dropping stuff. And and obviously we were more music focused. She was more fashion influencer focused. Um, but it was cool, man. It, it was like a lot of trials and tribulations um, le- leading up to, you know, what then became a, a Web3 project. And, and it was basically us just, you know, building an artist in the metaverse before anybody like knew what that term even meant and trying a bunch of different things. Like, you know, we, we, we brought on a a bunch of game designers and like, 
um, 3D artists onto the team. And usually for music projects, like that's not stuff that you like hire for. Like, you, you know, it's usually for the music, but we, we knew that this was like a bigger than music style project. We wanted it to like, you know, really resonate in pop culture. So we just started experimenting with like different ways of releasing music, different ways of, you know, marketing the music, uh, all like with like this idea behind like the metaverse and what you, what is you, what can you do with a digital artist, you know, like it, and it was really cool, man. It started off with like me kind of as the artist, just like, and this was like my digital identity. Um, and it spawned into like, a team of i think at the time it was probably like five to seven people who were, were all kind of controlling this digital identity and we'd sit down and we'd say all right does what is chill pill story today who is he working with what is the the songs he's going to work on and and it slowly became like this community built artist um so then like you know 2020 uh rolls around and like, you know, I had always been into crypto and, and Web3 and stuff like that from the jump, but I just saw the, you know, opportunity of of making this bigger than just the internal team and, and growing it into a wider brand uh, and a community-based artist. Uh, I, I think, like, we, we proved concept with, with Chill Pill as a Web2 artist. Um, and I think that, like, what I realized is that one of the barriers uh, for web, the, the, one of the barriers for the project was that like we were trying to sell a web two artist or a web three artist to web two consumers, you know? And like, once we decided to like completely pivot to web three and, and go all in on NFTs and like, and this was not just like the chill pill project, but like I, tr I turned the entire company like web three and like went all in on, uh, on web three. And, and once we did that, like, like product market fit kind of fell into place and we weren't like trying to like, we, we spent less time educating, you know, consumers about what the metaverse is and why it's important. And like, we spent more time like on creatively creating cool shit, like, um, and then, yeah, that's kind of how like the whole Genesis started. And then we saw like an opportunity to just experiment more with a bigger a, a bigger community and that's kind of why we decided to open it up to a 10k collection and and really like expand the the brand and the universe and and and, and allow us to like make something that's bigger than just one artist or one virtual producer or like you know what one team can do and and really start experimenting with like how else can we make and build on top of this music metaverse that I, I think hasn't even been touched yet. Congrats on building through the biggest single event that most of us will ever see with the pandemic. A lot of oh people God. I feel were really shaken and taken off their, their comfort zone, but you were building chill pill even before pandemic, before the NFT boom back in 2016, you built through and adapted and changed in it sounds like you found even more success in Web3 doing that pivot. What I'm curious to hear, what before we get into the new song, uh, Charger, getting a million streams on Spotify, I had no idea you were building Chill Pill all the way back in 2016, way before the pandemic and before Board Apes were even talked about. What was it like having multiple controllers before starting to leverage NFTs? And like, how does it look now? And what I mean, like what you were describing of before even leveraging Web3 and NFTs, you had multiple people that were controlling the identity of Chill Pill and what that story and brand was like. Uh, how, how different have you found that experience of having multiple controllers now having the Web3 tools? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. Like, I think before, um, there was an, you know there wasn't as much at stake for the contributors like and, and by that i mean like you, it's different it's different when like you know you're a part of a when you're a part of a community and like and it's and it's bigger than like there's when there's more on the line and there's there's a bigger impact to make you know and i think that like 
in web two world, you know, like the, the, what got me and the team like up in the morning, you know, was like, you know, innovating, innovating and shipping products, but also like putting songs that like, you know, like the most impactful part of the job is when like somebody says like, yo, this song I listened to a hundred times, it got me through a, a, a dark time. And like, I was like, thank you. Like, just like that alone, like gets you going, you know? And like in web two, like that happens often, but it's through like a comment on like a Instagram or YouTube post, or like it's, it, it's, it's these little sparks of moments. And in web three, like it, it completely flipped to like, you the everyday lives of your community almost and and it directly correlates decisions that you're making uh on the back end from you know what is the next song we're dropping or what is the style or the general consensus of like what should the album sound like like all of this is like the decision making process just becomes so much easier and and less like, wor like, I guess less worrisome. Like, you know, a, a lot of the times in the web two world, you're thinking like, how will people react to this? Will they like it? Will they not? How will the public feel about this? And like in web three, like, and with like, with the power of community, like you can kind of answer those questions before you even ship. And, and so it just relieves a lot of time and pressure and, and, and adds in a lot of value for creative control and contribution to the people that actually care to contribute. So I, yeah, there's so much, there's so much value to that. It's been fun for myself being in the discord for chill pill. And I can post, I remember you guys were like, Hey, we're going to invest in some songs to add to the Dow treasury. And I was able to post and I was like, Hey, here's my podcast. I don't know if you guys are looking for podcast NFTs, but here's mine. And I can only imagine how many other people posted and for you to just be like, wow, all these people own my NFT. They're already invested in this brand. They're all contributing and you can just kind of pick and be kind of a tastemaker. And that brings about some successes. Like you've got now chill pill on Spotify. You've got charger with a million streams. I've, I saw the drop on chill pill and for people that aren't aware, can you kind of fill in some of the details of like what happened with charger? Why is this an important moment? Like uh, a song reaches a million streams on Spotify. That's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a cool milestone. It, it sadly like, uh, doesn't really move the needle, um, financially for uh, most people, like, uh, unless it's like a hundred percent song, like, but, but it is cool. It is a cool milestone and it kind of, uh, it, it does showcase like the, the potential of, of what we can do, um, as, as we grow the brand, you know, like. Uh, I think that, I think that, <coughs> excuse me, I think Charger is like a good example of like, you know, we decentralize the song in the sense that like the, the chill, the percentage of the song that Chill Pill owns um, goes right back to the treasury when we do receive those royalties from Spotify and, and whoever else. Um, Tell the, me kind of the story behind it. Like where is was it you that came up with the idea? Did you produce the song? What, what was the origin? I, I don't think most people are aware of like what all it means for a DAO to release a song on Spotify and even for Chill Pill to have ownership. So like, let's, let's kind of walk through from a basis. Where did the song come from? Who released it? How did it come into Chill Pill's ownership at all? Yeah, so basically the idea was, uh, was sent to me by this incredible songwriter named Author. He... Uh, he's he just always sends me packs and and this was just one of the songs in one of his packs and it was like um a stripped down version of the song um with just kind of like the skeleton like the basics uh, or like a demo tape almost um and immediately i was like yo this is like a great record i love it like i i i mean just like the concept alone of like charger and but it's about like like love and connection and it just like resonated with me and I, I think he probably said it to me during the pandemic actually if i'm thinking about it so like this was like during a time when like people were were like you know striving for connection and and um 
And so I just like, I kind of saw the opportunity in the song from like a, a branding perspective, as well as like, you know, I mean, I, I can, I can see the song in like a, a computer commercial or a phone commercial. Like it has a lot of syncable opportunity there. So like basically like had him send me all the stems. <clears throat> I like rearranged it and kind of built out the production. Um, one of the, one of my collaborators came in and kind of laid down some, some more tracks and guitars and stuff. And, um, and yeah, it just, we just molded the song from like, you know, the demo version into like what you hear now. And, uh, when we were looking for singers to, to get on top of it, I had a connection to Jake through a, his manager. Um, and, and yeah, we like just sent it around and he responded and, and loved the song. So he cut it. Um, and then we had this song just kind of sitting there and that was when, <coughs> oh, excuse me. That was when, uh, I want to say right when we started to kind of like, you know, drop the, the NFT project. And, and so we just incorporated the song, uh, into the DAO and, and yeah, the rest is history. Like we just like, we decided to go with AWOL as a distribution partner because, Jake had just had a huge success with AWOL through one of his other songs. Um, so they helped distribute it. And, and yeah, like it, it's, it's, I mean, what is it? I think it's been like a month and a half or two months and we already hit a million. Um, and like, we haven't even really begun the, the, you know, supercharged of the market of the marketing campaign yet. Um, or the synchronized campaign yet. So I think like we're just getting started. Like I usually like to put out songs and feel it out and see how the market reacts. Um, and and the market reacted great. So now it's just kind of figuring out like next steps of, of how do we even grow this, this song into something bigger and continue to drop music along the same lines. Next question I have is what does this mean for NFT holders? Um, for people that are in the Chill Pill DAO, like you said, Chill Pill owns a portion of the revenue and portion of the song. So for, for people like me that just own one of the NFTs and I see Charger dropped with 1 million streams, what would you say this means for a token holder if you're talking to them? Yeah. So um, right now, the main utility of Web2 distribution is brand recognition. Uh, that's the easiest kind of play right now and, and the further that we go um as a web two kind of music brand uh obviously like the more brand recognition the, the which is just better for for holders in general um when it comes to the future and and kind of what we've been working on on the back end of this is is figuring out a way to leverage that web two distribution success um as utility other than chest brand recognition, you know, to back to holders. Um, and, and, and some of the stuff we're playing with, like, is just like this idea that, you know, con contribution wise, like, um, allowing holders to have a say in the marketing direction of a song, having them, you know, have the ability to have a say in, the remix direction um, and, and setting that up in a way where all of that equates to non-speculative, uh, you know, rights to the, the revenue. So, um, so yeah, like figuring out ways that we can, you know, reward people for contributing to the success of the, of the song. Um, and, you know, that just like right now, the way we have it set up is, you know, just because of legal gray areas with the DAO, it, all the money generated from the Web2 side of things uh, with the song from Chill Pills. Uh, I, I want to say like it's 50-50 Chill Pill Jake on the master and AWOL took uh, maybe 20 percent, 10, 10 to 20% off the top for distribution off both. So like we probably own the Dow owns 40% of the song. So let's say like it gets synchronized in an Apple commercial, they'll pay a million dollars like for that, like, and, and 40% of that goes directly back into the treasury. And then we can redistribute that, uh, that money over 
more songs or we can re, you know, refunnel it back into a bigger marketing push. Uh, I mean, it's really up to the doubt what, what to do with it. And then, you know, moving even further down the line is like, how do we also redistribute that, you know, to holders? But that's, you know, like obviously a legal gray area right now, which we're trying to trying to work around and figure out. Yeah, that middle edge between Web 2 and Web 3, I've heard, can be a tough walk for a lot of people. I'm, I'm curious, you're one of the few people I see executing on this with big numbers. What's it like to straddle that gray area of like, I want this to go to a DAO, but I need to fill out information for Spotify publishing. Will they let you put in a DAO for earning some of these royalties? Like, where would you say we don't really have that bridge across all the way between the web two and the web three in what you're building here with chill pill? Uh, I mean, it's an interesting question. Like it, the, the publishing world is, is a lot tougher right now. Um, and then also like just the distribution model, um, depending on like who you're going with, but for the, it's funny. It's like the majority of distribution in web two versus web three is very split down the middle um where it's like you know the web two model has the marketing vertical has the synchronization vertical has the has label services right like and i think that from a label services perspective that's the most important part um for an artist who may not necessarily have the ability to do that uh make sure that their partner has that, you know, f leveraged for them. Um, but a lot of the web three platforms, um, don't have that, don't have that model yet. Um, which I'm, it's a, that's, I'm sure that it, it will, that problem will be solved in, in the very near future. I know Miss is working on, on stuff like that. So like, you know, I, in the future, I, I think three platforms will kind of be able to compete with the big dogs uh, just simply with low service services. But for now, it's like uh, you kind of have to run the, a Web2 distribution model um, as if it's a Web2 business. And then once the once the royalties are paid back, once everything set gets 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 distributed, uh, you can then, you know, move the money around uh into the right allocated into the right places uh I, I think that we're maybe i mean depending on the you know how long crypto winter lasts like we're a year to five like away from like uh, spotify integrating smart contracts into their distribution and, and and things like that um but yeah for now it's just like it's kind of like I mean, I can give a perfect example of the way that the Jake song works is that like the percentage of all of the money that Chill Pill gets goes to the Chill Pill company. And then we re we re redistribute that to uh, the treasury. Uh, we, we convert it to ETH. We distribute it. So um, it, that's the easiest kind of way to do it now until platforms to light crypto in, into their into their back end. Yeah, not an easy line. Um, not at I'm all. I'm curious. <laughs> what is it? Uh, wow. Yeah, not not an easy line. Um, what do you think labels are going to look like? Because you say that like in tradition. Well, I guess a preceding question to that. A lot of musicians will ask me when they're thinking of publishing on Mint songs. They'll say, if I publish this as an NFT, does that mean that I cannot publish it over on Spotify? And I know this is a little bit different application of web three than what you've gone with with the the chill pill but it seems like you found this happy middle ground between leveraging web three for what it's useful for and also understanding the distribution benefits of a lot of the web two tools what would you tell a musician that is trying to consider should i drop this song on spotify or as an nft or is both an option like do you have any thoughts on dropping music as an nft or just on web two or both Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, th I think that, um, you know, obviously there's cons right now for every, like we just mentioned, like that, like the integration of Web 2 and Web 3 are so separated. But I also think from an artist perspective and marketing perspective, there's a huge like benefit to that. Because if you look at traditional Web 2 distribution, um, it 
specifically for the music industry, it lives like the, the customer journey is Instagram. It's TikTok, Instagram, Spotify, and then the this show or like whatever the the, the tour uh, uh, and merch, and then back again, and that's the customer journey. Um, even rarely do you see like you know people going onto the the website of an artist because they don't need to. They get all their information on TikTok and Instagram. They get all of their songs on Spotify. Um, and then the Web3 side of things, it's different. It's a completely different customer journey. It's Twitter, and then it is OpenSea, uh, and then it is the website, the artist website, and then right back to Twitter, OpenSea, artist website, uh, or platform, like, you know, Web3 platform. But, like, so I think that's the benefit right now for artists is that, like, you can split up your marketing initiatives and hit web three hard and you can hit web two completely different and equally as hard. And no, none of them will notice the difference. You know, like it's not like your web two consumers are going to be like, Oh my God, like NFTs, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't, if you're doing a good job, the people that don't care about NFTs should never even know you've dropped one until they want to figure it out. And that's when, that's when they, you know, they go to Twitter, they learn about NFTs, they realize, oh my God, this artist has an NFT. Then they take the Web3 customer's journey. Um, but until then, like, you know, it's just wait. What I'm realizing, and, and, I've, and I've learned this the hard way from starting, you know, in 2017, trying to educate. It's like customer education costs way too much for artists who don't have the funding. It, it just, it just does, like the ROI doesn't make sense um, unless you're, education is like to like extremely you know wealthy collectors who like have the means like once you educate them they'll like you know buy a piece for you know a, a, a stupid amount of money um which is like what the way the art world works which is why i think nfts uh worked so well in the art world uh initially but even before the 10 k collections came out and all that is because you know the art world works where an artist like only needs to focus on collectors and people that are willing to spend the money on that artwork in, in with music, it's completely different. They're focused on, you have to get 10,000 or 10 million people who aren't going to value the song for anything. And then how do I, you know, how do I have a customer, uh, you know, how do I create a customer or a fan out of, out of somebody who doesn't value my art um, they, it, it's a, it's a completely different playing field. So yeah, I, I think that if I, like, I, I would tell artists to absolutely think of web three as a, as a layer, uh, as a layering tool to your revenue stream, just like you would add, um, merch, just like you would add, uh, anything to, to your revenue stream. Like it, it's, it's its own beast. Um, the cool part is, is that like, it's also its own culture. Uh, and I feel like once people dive into it, like they start to lean more web three uh, just because of the perks of community and value propositions changes and, and which then changes the reason why you're doing your art in the first place. So, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Very much so. What does a, a record label look like in web three? Like uh, we see musicians now, they're getting good money from NFTs. They're coming up talking to their record labels and saying, look, I'm making all the money I need from these NFTs. We're going to renegotiate this deal. I'm not necessarily getting much benefit from you anymore. I can market everything I need off of Twitter. What do I need the record label for? But we know the record labels are really good at getting distribution, getting eyes on things, great marketing, good team to have in your corner. What will labels look like in Web3? Do you think a lot of the, the existing labels are going to be able to adapt? Are we going to see new labels coming up like a chill pill? Where do you think record labels are going to fit into this Web3 environment? Uh, I mean, that's a great question. I think that record labels, um, uh, how can I put this? I, I think that, I think record labels, the terminology, uh, what they do now has, has shifted. Um, and I think that like record labels are only as good uh, as what they're willing to invest in um 
so like you know a lot of these record labels like they're not good at marketing like but what they are good at is being able to pick up the phone and spend a million dollars to market a song like and they have the channels to do that and if they're willing to do that then yes the song will take off you know and so like record labels are more so like vc funds right now um if you think about like how like a Silicon Valley fund works is like they, they provide the fund, they get a percentage and then they also become advisors and, and help make connections and all that shit. And, you know, if, if, if the startup does, does well and has traction and gains some momentum, they'll, you know, that they they become also like really helpful and really, uh, really um, into that startup. If, but if the startup, you know, is going through hiccups, um, it, it it's a lot harder to get the VC, uh, you know, your advisors on the phone and shit. So it's kind of the same thing. I, I think that like in the future, like the word record label, um, the terminology will like, is not going to mean the same thing as it, as it used to do where like, it's going to be more like a record management company, uh, like our song management company, uh, or like, where, you know, you, I, I think that, I mean, I, I'm sorry, like, I'm just kind of going in circles now because I'm really also thinking like how, like, it could go two, one of two ways, right? It could be that record labels understand what the fuck their value prop is and they come in and they say, all right, listen, we're going to, we're going to go on chain with you. We're going to, we're going to do a multi-sig wallet and we're going to split revenue equally amongst all the creators and we're going to give you an advance and you're going to pay us back the advance. And then once the advance is paid back, then we're going to redistribute all of the money equally and we're going to get a cut of it. And that's like the, you know, best case scenario of like how these record labels turn into like actual, you know, things that help artists. Um, the other way is that platforms like Mint Songs just hire the right people and create art label services and then compete it from a web two side of things uh, to get their artists distributed. Like, and then they still go on chain and they still, uh, you know, provide the web three services from a technological standpoint. But like, it, like, I mean, you look at Spotify, like Spotify, like was not a record label by any means, but they had the technology uh, to beat the record industry. And now they are the most and labels have to bow to Spotify to get their songs on the right place. And Spotify knows this. And, you know, I think that in the future, it's going to be a couple that rise to the surface and understand if, if they get market share of the new version of what, like, artists look like, um, and can provide the value and services as a in Western world, uh, the record labels, so to speak. Hearing it cut out a little bit. I'm not sure if it's my connection or if uh, there might be a little bit of wobbliness on your side. I wanted to take this into a uh, generative music. I, I personally came into the space doing a lot with uh, making beats using AI and just putting in seed phrases and seeing what the AI would spit out and then kind of manipulating that. I've noticed that uh, the other day you talked a little bit about OMG Kirby Dow and they're doing generative music over there. I did, as a producer, I'm curious of what your thoughts have been around generative music. I talk with some producers that say, keep that stuff away. It's, it's sucking all the value out and making robots do the creator's job. And I hear other creators saying, look, this generative music unlocks a whole new capability for myself as a producer. And where, where do you find yourself on the spectrum when it comes to thinking about generative music? Uh, I definitely am on the, the second ladder. Like, like the more tools, the better. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm never one to like try to like stop technology from, from flourishing. I think that like, you know, generative music has the power to unlock so many opportunities for so many people um, and and just become like a new tool, like in, in 
in the creative canvas like that artists and producers and songwriters are work with. Um, I think it's, I think it's a, I think there's so much potential, man. I think there's so much potential there. And I think that like, like not only is generative music interesting, um, but I think that like, we're just cracking the surface of like gamifying generative music. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of where, like, I think things are going to get interesting, you know, is like when the music is, is able to be affected by not just the AI, but like the people that are playing with it or the decisions that are being made by, uh, not just one person, but like multiple people, like, you know, I mean, I'm just like, I think of things like, you know, a, a piece of generative music that reacts to like the crowd noise in a stadium, like, and it gets either louder or more distorted or more as, as people get louder, like the, the effects of that. And then it, that goes even further to like, not even just generative music, but generative lighting and, and, and how AI can contribute to like, like so much value of, of performance and, and, and creativity. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's really, really cool. We're so early into these NFTs. We're looking at a bunch of static images, static songs. I agree. I think we are very early and still have to, people are just starting to talk about what happens if an NFT changes? What happens if this changes based off of certain attributes or certain effects or different metas that we're rendering these NFTs in? There's so much opportunity to tap into like having art that changes based off of the interactions of the people around it. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Well, I, what, what, what are you excited about when it comes to generative music? Like, like I know you're deep into, into that side of things. Like what, what are some interesting like tech or interesting projects or protocols that you're, that you're kind of like, Oh shit, this could be something really special. I think of, uh, I can't remember the name of the book. It was the, the Pixar founding book. And they've got a quote from John Lasseter in there that art challenges technology and technology inspires art. And you've got like in the early days of animation, it was a really, really cool thing that someone rendered a hand in a 3D animation. You could like manipulate that model. And it was really cool. And that ability to do some scientific thing of like rendering a hand then that got used to generate entire bodies and movies and then that challenged them to say well can we do advanced graphics and then that challenges the computer to get smarter to be able to handle rendering a million dandelions in a field that are all that all have their own air vectors of currents running around it and the sun is shining on them with like very good physics and very good lighting mechanics and it follows all the rules of science that we perceive in our daily world and that just continues to challenge each other back and forth. And so that's one of the reasons I really like engineering here in the music space is being an engineer in music. I'm just surrounded by so many creative people. And as soon as I give them a tool, they ask me the question, can it do this? And then that just, it's an infinite canvas for me to create on as an engineer. And the people I'm collaborating with have just such brilliant minds of how to make the world a more beautiful place. I don't see myself ever running out of things to build working with musicians. And so when it comes to generative music, I find myself thinking on how can I lower the barrier to these tools? Like I, I run an, I run TensorFlow and I run uh, Watson AI that, that uh, who was it? Microsoft, I think put out what, no, yeah. IBM, IBM put out Watson. And I play with these tools where I have to use a command line and I have to get my, uh, my seed files to, to like, generate the music from the tiny seed file and i have to know how to use like a midi file and export a single instrument and it's it's a pretty complicated process for me to put that into my my command line run it and then get a bunch of outputs and someone someday if i'm sure there are probably already solutions where you can generate this in very easy ways like you just show up on the website you click a button it generates an entire song for you you can drop in a seed if if it's seed based and I think the, the more that we can lower the barrier, the more we can get cool thoughts like yours, because I never would have, until you started speaking a couple minutes ago, I didn't think of generative art and thinking about it being dynamic. When I think of generative art, I think of it more like a static, you create the art once, and it's cool because it's like made centaur, half human, half robot. But then you added an extra level on top of it of saying, what if the AI didn't stop initially and it continued to live inside of the piece 
forever changing and generating new and entirely unique iterations of this one seed. And that's just like, that's cool as hell. Musicians are so talented. I just want to keep listening and building what you're asking for so that we can keep pressing this field forward. So in particular, some tools that I really like. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, Arpeggi. Have you heard yeah. of Arpeggi? Yes. Yes. So cool. Like, I think it's amazing what they're doing of putting all of the info on chain. I think uh, we're very early into to storing all audio on chain. And I think uh, people like Arpeggi are doing cool things there. Other than that, I'm super interested recently in hyperstructures. Um, are you familiar with the concept of hyperstructures? No, talk to me. What is it? What, how does it work? Uh, hyperstructures are these base underlying protocols. They're entirely free to use. So there's no protocol fee anywhere on it. It's on non-upgradable smart contracts. Anyone can call it. It doesn't discriminate. There's no gatekeepers. These are things like Zora. Where any, or have you heard of Zora? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Zora is a protocol. Anyone can deploy and use those contracts. There's no fees on version one and two. And it's cool because anybody can build on top of it. And so then you get stuff like what Mint Songs is building right now, where our new marketplace is being built on top of Zora. And that's really cool that we, we as a company can build on top of this hyperstructure and still be able to build our business model where we profit, but the underlying protocol is free for everybody to use. And there's no profit taken out. It's just a public good that every creator can use. And then you've got other, you've probably heard of Uniswap. Uniswap's yeah. another like uh, tool like that. And then zero X splits. I, I wanted to touch on split royalties with you. So maybe just touching real quick there. And as we get into the last quarter of the show, if anybody else wants to come up and ask Sydney some questions, just request to come up on stage. I'll let you up. Uh, but going back to split royalties, have you heard of zero X splits or any of the, the royalty split technology out there? Yeah. I was just chatting with, with uh, the splits like, it, it looks incredible. It looks so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have, have you played around and minted anything or done anything with split royalties on chain yet? Like, have you had a chance to kind of compare the difference of splitting royalties in what you probably had to do in something like a charger on Spotify in the traditional music world versus what it looks like when you've got hyperstructures like zero X splits. So I, I haven't played with the split, um, there's splits yet but like I, I i have a lot of thoughts on like how to even like integrate that because like the the music industry is notoriously just challenging to understand because there's so many i mean like i've tried to explain how like you know the music industry works to like you know so some of my advisors who have built you know huge businesses but they're just like in like they're not in the in music industry and like they still just can't wrap their head around what a master and a publishing and this and why like there's so much variables and so many people have you know different hands in different pockets and then when you bring in like this whole like you know um third uh just like like all of the to be able to collect publishing and like you know a a separate you know look like or like location like it's things just get so convoluted so quickly. And like, I think that, I think that that is going to be one of the biggest shifts in music. Um, and really has the potential to be one of the, just whoever figures out how to make that smart contract, like, that includes master rights, includes publishing rights, and includes all of the layers that goes into, you know, third-party uh, collection agencies and third-party, um, like, like there's just so much that goes into it. But like, there is a way to figure it out where like a song is minted, and the smart contract just it it, it holds all of that information. Um, and it, once once that code is cracked, and I think it just it's not too far off. It's just you know the the, the way the music industry works is like there's just not enough people um, that are masters of of the whole process. You know, like you know you have like your publishing experts, and they know everything about publishing and, and all that. But like like then you got to think about how 
the other side of the spectrum with masters and 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 so like until like some of these like real real music ogs who have like you know been through every single job in the entire industry uh like sit down and and really try to play out every different scenario of of music distribution um and and all of the problems that that come in like whoever solves that smart like whoever solves that is is it it, it, the whole you're going to put all the publishers out of business all the publishers all the all the you know third-party agencies that are all the collection like everybody like there there's no more need for them but like when you think about it like it's like we're going to end up there because right now the way that BMI and ASCAP and, and these collection agencies work is like they all base shit around like what ifs like they don't even really know how much they should be collecting for a song that played in like you know northern you know Germany like they, they the the system is so fucking old and and convoluted that they just have to guess how much that you know the artist is paid for all of these different territories and like it's it's stupid like the way that like the model is set up right now and it's a huge pain point that i think that like the entire music industry has has done a really good job at pretending isn't a pain point um you know and and but it's a huge fucking pain point and there's tons of money being left on the table or these businesses are like you know i mean their their models and projections are based off of the fact that like they're leveraging a, a percentage of an artist's royalties that like they don't have to distribute because it's not going to get fucking checked. So I think all of that gets solved when you start to introduce that into smart contracts um, and give the power of the smart contract back to the creators, which I think is really, really interesting, which is why I love Arpeggi and like, like you know, if if there is a <coughs> if there is a tool to like you know mint a not a song like not necessarily the audio but like the the like you know contract uh, proof of ownership uh, in it from the creators that are in the room working on it. Uh, I, I think that's a really really interesting take because like then when you th- look at like songs like that have been sampled 15 times like you know it it removes the all of the third party people who like are are pr- taking a percentage off of like those cuts when like it uh, this the simple thing is like yo do you want Kanye to use this sample and all the creators you know sign the wallet boom he create he creates it, it takes his cut and now that song is is able to be used in a smart contract i mean is in a as a sample in a, in a new song. And then that can be also contributed into the new contract. So it's like, once this all gets figured out and it will, it, it, the industry is going to, all of the power is going to shift and it's going to be really, really interesting when like it, because I don't think the record labels are going to be the ones or the publishers are going to be the ones that figure this out. It's going to be some obscure, you know, team, working on on this problem and they are going to hold it's going to be a new again like it's going to be the the modern day spotify where like they're the all the labels are going to have to either license uh this protocol and or or you know maybe it's you know maybe it's for free who knows but once once that shit gets figured out man there's going to be so much power change and like new money coming into the music industry it's going to be crazy it's tokenizing relationships on chain it's it's i I, i'm from cincinnati ohio and when i drive down and i see these massive buildings with a fifth third which is a bank in the ohio region and i just see these buildings with four or five floors of people sitting in cubicles all making the money work i just think to myself man when these people see how ethereum works and all of their jobs can be done by computers running trustlessly in smart contracts, they're out of a job. Like we don't have to pay these skyscrapers of people that are all trying to check each other's numbers and store the docs. And the same thing's gonna happen in the financial industry of music. Splits are so huge and tokenizing relationships are big. 
And we've got time for one question. I see we've got Bailey up on the stage. Bailey Morgan, welcome to the stage. Did you have a question for Sydney? Hey, yeah, I did. I uh, first off, congrats on one million streams. That's really huge. Thanks, Bailey. Wait, Bailey, we we spoke a while ago about the your brother's project. Yeah, my husband actually. Oh, how the husband? Okay, yeah, my bad. Oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's so funny. Like, I just I just clicked your like I noticed the uh, the snow bro. I was like, oh shit, I definitely remember this. Oh yeah, no, you're good. I. Uh... I'm actually a professional marketer, so I have some questions for you. Uh, one in particular, I actually just heard your whole story from, you know, pivoting from web to, I'll keep it short, um, pivoting from web two into web three and how, you know, Chopel wasn't clicking in web two. Once you brought it over to web three, things were really uh, resonating, you were really starting to build that audience, and I wanted to know if you could um, just elaborate a bit more on, you know, the Web3 space and what you saw was really clicking with Chillpel and share a bit more of that experience with us. Uh, I mean, what was clicking was just like saying the word metaverse and not getting laughed out of rooms. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like when I, I, I kid you not, like I would, I would walk into meetings at labels or at like touring agencies or whatever. And I'd be like, I have a virtual artist that lives in the metaverse that can perform, you know, in, in every country on the same night, can do a world tour. Like, 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 do you understand the value of this? And everybody was just like, okay, bro, like go sit down. Like, this is fun. But like, this was like pre, this is also pre pandemic. So like, you know, Definitely. just me like, you know internally yelling at the top of my lungs like you guys don't understand what is about to happen like like i, I think was like the most frustrating of the web two space. i think after the as the pandemic happened and then zuckerberg announced the metaverse and you know board apes took off and and Oh, can you guys hear me? Uh, you just got rugged a little bit. Hello? Back. Back oh, my now. bad. Yeah, my bad. I got a call. So, um, but yeah, I think like that was like the biggest turning point was just being when being able to like not have to spend thirty minutes educating on what the metaverse is and just being like, I have a virtual artist and people got it. Like, um, and then like yeah, like the like really like from a marketing perspective, what was like the most, uh. I guess like the, the thing that connected the most and what worked was like, um, I guess like, how can I put it? Like, you know, what really did like changed, I think the dynamic for us was when my wife actually came up with the idea. Cause we were like <clears throat> two months out to mint and like, we had like a lot of like uh buzz, but it wasn't really like anything that was like, Oh yeah, we're going to sell out type thing. And it wasn't until like she made the suggestion Cause we were all like, you know, we should, we should, what we should throw parties or what should we do to like, should we do like web three dinners, like blah, 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 like to get the kind of like notice out. And she was the one that made the suggestion mm -hmm. to rent out the music studio and just throw parties there. And like when, once we kind of figured that part out and like we rented out the studio for the month before mint and like literally every night, like invited as many people to the studio as possible and then we live streamed you know all of the sessions all the parties everything i think like that was the moment where everything clicked for us because from a marketing perspective it like docks the entire team uh it put the entire team that is now undoxed into an element um that is directly related to music um and it also allowed us to kind of set ourselves up as just different from every other project that was happening at the time, which, you know, like wasn't, you know, in the giant music studio throwing parties every night. Um, so, yeah, I think that was our biggest, like, kind of like turning point from a project perspective of like what was clicking. Um, and it kind of set the standard now for like what we do as a project, which is just like at, at NFT NYC, we're going to be, we, we rented out quad studios for the, the week. So we're going to be like the only project that has a studio that, like, you know, people are holders and other music projects can come in and kind of like hang out with other, like make it almost like an NFT watering hole, 
music NFT watering hole type thing. Um, so yeah, I think that was the biggest connection. I think that that's the problem right now with uh, music NFTs versus art NFTs. It's like the art, the visual medium of art uh, is just from a branding perspective so much easier to identify, like as as opposed to music, which is just like you know you can't see it, so it's really hard to market it um, and get people to pay attention to it outside of their normal place that they're listening to it um, like and kind of find these visual cues that bring people right back to the, the music part of it um if that's what if it's a music project that like you know you're pushing yeah no that's that's a great point i i think for me it's, it's kind of weird because you know, you're pushing something in the metaverse and then you're there physically, right? Like it, it, it's two opposites, but then they really jive together and really worked for you. So that that's a really great point. And that's something that I, I wasn't aware of. Like I, that's just a marketing avenue that, you know, we haven't really thought of yet. So that's, that's awesome. I think, I think like, like I said, separating yourselves uh, from the pack uh, in, in general is going to be like, like whatever you can do the opposite of from like any other collection right now is, is, is going to be to your benefit. And like, you just like the, and the more that it can like lean towards music, if it's a music project, the better. Uh, and I like, yeah, man, like I like, again, like going back to like the whole IRL versus metaverse thing. Like I think people greatly underestimate the power of IRL. Uh, you know, even though, even though this whole thing is like is you know metaverse based and whatever like i still think that like community is is like 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 i mean like you got to think of like even a community that's built just in in you know in url like when they get a chance to see each other in in real life it's like it's the happiest moment you know and and they're so excited because it's like oh my god i I know you for so long and I actually can like see you touch you like smell it like the all the like it just hits all the senses as opposed to just kind of two of them. So I think uh, I think, yeah, IRL is one of the most powerful ways to to market right now. OK. Awesome. That's uh, that's big. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, story. No I, I thought it's really awesome. You've been building, you know, that concept and how it translated into web three and everything you're doing so thanks for sharing that with us yeah of course Sydney, i know i only said we only had time for one question nomad stepped up to ask do you have time for one more or do we need to wrap up yeah i got time for one more okay last one nomad welcome to the stage hey guys what's up uh, i just want to say i've been following you around for quite a while now sydney and i think what you've done is excellent um and just on that point uh where you brought up there's not many projects more specifically, not many music NFT projects that do things IRL. Um, and I think that's the key to really unlocking the potential to the space for musicians as well as uh, producers or record labels that want to enter. Um, IRL is, is the way to tap into music. I think it's it's all about shared experiences. Uh, so, so what you guys did there was just was awesome in terms of having those studio parties. And uh, if you ever come out to Dubai, you have a home and you have a studio here that you're always welcome to use. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's all. I just wanted to. I just wanted to shed love. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. Thank you, Nomad. Appreciate you coming up, Bailey, Sydney. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We're going to be closing out now. All right, man. Peace. Thanks, guys. <laughs>